this whole this whole series of, of on praise and worship and why it's important and um, we just had the what we would call the praise and worship section of the service and when we we and where we give you know praise and adoration to the Lord God and we'll talk about that a little bit more this morning but I, re- I just want to touch on this before I move on I thought Kenny spoke so well last week who was here last week come on give it up for Kenny one of my favorite preachers in the world now I don't listen to Stephen Furtick. I just get onto Life Church online and find what, when Kenny last spoke. Um, but and if you missed it last week, you can check it out. You know, on on the iTunes and on the um, the Google Plays and all the different things where people listen to music and stuff. Spotify, we're on there. If you don't know how to find us, just get onto the website and go to resources. It's just easy to find. But you can listen to that. But I I would I'll just boil down what I got out of that message, which was amazing. And I thought Kenny did a great job. He boiled worship basically down to surrender. Like it almost as if, and I just thought, you know what? I couldn't put that better. Worship, but when boiled right down, is surrender. And you might be sort of, if you're sort of new to this style of corporate worship or whatever, that, that's cool. But you might, sometimes I get people say to me, hey Shane, why do people like, when, when in your church when they're singing, why do they put their hands up? You know, that's a very good question. And, uh, and, and it comes from this whole concept of surrender, Right. So here's the thing that happens when you get into God's presence and you, and you get into that place of, of real worship and it doesn't have to be in a church and it doesn't have to be in a song. Some of us know that, but this is the context this morning. But when you really get into that place where you, where you, you know, I am a child of God, for example, what we were singing this morning and, you, and, you, and the revelation of that hits you and what comes with that statement, that statement of truth, it's sort of like not worthy. You know, like, It's sort of like, God, what can I do? And so what happens is, you run out of language. And so when you run out of language, when English isn't good enough, international sign of surrender. It's been around for millennia. And it's just like, God, you know, I've got nothing left to say. And so if you ever wondered why, and this is the whole concept, so this is why, and it's a natural instinct. It's like, nah, I'm out. I'm tapping out here. You win. I surrender. And so if you've ever, you know, if you've ever wondered that, that's, that's where it comes from. And, and uh, not that that was mentioned last week, but great job, Kenny, sharing with us that 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 um, just diluting it so well and so simply what, what worship is and it is surrender to the Lord. So well done, mate. The title of this morning's message is Big Generosity. So I'm talking this morning about in the context of praise, we're continuing a series, but big generosity. Would you pray with me this morning as we, we prepare our hearts to hear what the Lord is saying? Lord God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for every single person that gave something up to be here this morning. Yeah, let, let's, let's, let's not you know, dilute it. Everybody here could be somewhere else, but, you know, everybody's busy. Everyone's got something to do. But Lord, I want to honour each person that's, that said, hey, you know what? No, this is too important. This is too important. I'm going to be in the house of God this morning. So Lord, I thank you for each one. I pray that each person that has come will be blessed in some way. I say, I pray that there'll be a connection, a revelation, um, something that touches their heart. Maybe it happens on the veranda around morning tea. But Lord God, I pray everybody goes here bigger than when they came. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So look, let's just throw, so, so the main points so far, we're just going to throw up a few of them that we've been, I've just got, Aaron's got a slide there, he's going to throw it up for me. Just some of the things that we've been talking about over the last few weeks, um, and this is just a, a quick machine gun of three or four weeks of preaching, but the music we listen to affects us at a soul and spirit level. If you're not sure what that means, check it out on Spotify. Praise is anything which expresses honour 
and love. So we've been talking in the, in the context of singing and worship a little bit here, but anything that we do that expresses honour and love is praise. Praise is medicine for the soul. The soul is the seat of our emotions. I just left that up there for people not sure. So it's medicine. So if we've got, you know, sometimes it's amazing how you mood and that will change when, with praise and, and, and the way our brain is thinking and our whole emotions is, 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 um, is affected when we begin to praise. Praise is medicine for the soul. Praise aligns our spirit with the life-changing will of God. I sort of half talked about that in the intro. It's when we're worshiping God and we realize, um, hey, I've got to surrender to you. Praise aligns us, um, our spirit, with the life-changing will of God. And true praise leads to surrender, um, which is worship. And uh, so we put that one up from last week. We've been, we've been talking a little bit from Second Chronicles chapter 20. We've sort of been reading the whole chapter. We've been talking about the story of Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat was a king... Um, Many moons ago, and uh, he was one of the Israel's kings or Judah's kings, and he was the the king of the nation, and, and a whole heap of nations ganged up on him. So he was outnumbered, like a million to one sort of thing. And he heard that these guys were going to come, and they were going to smash him. And uh, his his nation was basically at that point there was nothing he could do in the physical to to win that war. And he knew that. And it actually says we won't read it all today, but it actually says he was terrified. So he's a man of God and he was terrified because he knew what was coming. And so what they did, um, just Jehoshaphat was a wise man. And so what he did was he called all the people together and they started their defense of the nation. Now apply this personally. They started their defense of the nation with praise. And they started their defense of the nation with worship. And um, you know, they worshiped God and they, they prayed and they brought everyone together um, and then we're going to pick it up in verse 18. So they sort of brought everyone together. I'll just read you this passage. Some of you have heard me, you know, this passage a few times now. But I want to get it into our spirit, what you do when you're facing a war you can't win. And in verse 18 um, of chapter 20 of Second Chronicles, Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low um, with his face to the ground. So this isn't, remember I talked about active surrender. Well, this is, this, is, is, you know, this is as good as it gets. And he's like, God, we need you. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshipping the Lord. Let's put surrendering to the Lord in there. Verse 19, Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah, we stood about the, we, sorry, we talked a few weeks ago about the significance of those names and how they were the people of worship and the songwriters. They stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. So it wasn't sort of like apologetic praise and worship. When you're facing giants, you, 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 you put your pride aside and you're just like, no, God, we need you. And that's, that's, that's part of that surrender thing. Um, in verse 21, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk out. This, is, this still boggles my mind, but you've heard me talk about this enough now. The king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. So instead of getting a sword at the front, you got a trumpet. Singing to the Lord and praising Him for His holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. And in verse 22, I love this. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The moment they began praying, praising and worshipping God, stuff changed. The moment they began praising and worshipping God, things shifted. To be honest with you, that's the point of time a lot of us 
pull back from that. We're like, oh, no, everything's going pear-shaped. I can't, I don't feel like I, I can praise God now. And I don't feel like I can worship God. Everyone, all, all this has gone, got unpacked for me. And so now I'm going to step back. Big mistake. Big mistake. Jehoshaphat knew that that was the time when you step forward. And he this is a t- guy that was terrified. But he's like, no, no, no. This is the moment when we need to step forward, step up our praise. Let's not pull back. Stuff's going wrong. Let's step it up. Smart man. And things changed. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the connection between warriors, God's warriors, and, and people that understand worship. And how there's a connection there. The worshipers, the warriors. We talked about that. And uh, for me, this sort of has a bit of extra, I suppose, significance because in the last few months, I've, been, I've sort of started to get into reading about historical fiction. So I've been reading this series um, of historical fiction um, on the rise of the Mongol Empire. So Genghis Khan, you might have heard of him, Kublai Khan, Marco Polo. It's a whole thing, right? So I've been re- reading on five books into this series. I'm very close to finishing reading about this, uh, this just crazy little moment in world history. It's around about 1200 AD. And not many people realise, so I'm just going to give you a quick history lesson. Not many people realise that around about 1200 AD, um, you know, it was a bit after that, but the Mong- that's when it sort of started around there. But the Mongol Empire actually was the largest empire, that the land empire that the world has ever seen. So this empire is the biggest one the world had ever seen. And to the point it was five times, catch this, I did not know this, five times larger than the Roman Empire. So when we're thinking of empires and the big empires over the world, we think, oh yeah, the Romans, they conquered most of the world. Well, the Mong- think about this, the Mongols had five times more of the world than the Romans ever did. This is a massive thing. And uh, so, so what has interested me is how is it that this one people group that were totally divided um, within probably two decades had five times the amount of land as the Roman Empire. Is that a good question? Like the Genghis Khan, you might not realise this, but Genghis Khan at about, and you know, these ages are very debatable, but let's say, you know, as a teenager, he was a slave. By the time he was about 40, he had, he had an empire the size of the Roman Empire. How does that happen? So a guy from nothing. It's just, it's a really amazing thing. And I thought, how, does it, how was it that they were able to get from there to there? And how, how was it this whole thing was held together? And as I was reading more and more about it, I found this, that the Mongol people had a total devotion to their Khan. He was, if you like, their God. Total surrender, if you like. Total devotion to this Khan. Every single, just Put this in the context of, of faith and following Jesus. Every single adult knew how to fight. Every adult. If you're over the age of 12, you knew how to fight. Every single male had a role in the army. Every single person over the age of 12 had a role in the army. It's unbelievable. There were people that, um, I suppose they're, they're people in the armies, they obeyed orders without questions. Warriors would execute orders um, that they knew would lead to certain death without question. This is total surrender. And then I just sort of reflect on, you know, our cause and what we're doing. These, these people put their lives, I suppose, this, this Mongol nation, they put their lives totally in the hands of the Khan. If the Khan said, go here, that's where they went. They said, do this, that's what they did. And I was reflecting on, on our mission and following the Lord and, and how, how, how we surrender and so, so forth and so on. It was their devotion to the cause. It was their devotion to the cause, extreme discipline and advanced tactics that gave them invincibility. 
over their enemies. They would, they would regularly fight. In fact, most of the major battles that the Mongols fought, they were outnumbered pretty much every time and, and quite regularly four to one and they'd still win. This is amazing. The other thing they had was confidence in their ability to win. And um, it's an amazing story. And you might be thinking, why are you sort of talking about that this morning, Shane? Well, two reasons, I suppose. One is um, that I just, this whole concept of total surrender, total commitment to the cause, total confidence that they would come through. It was a very powerful thing. And the way they organised themselves, I said, even as a church, even as we do as a church, they would organise themselves into, you know, tens, hundreds, you know, thousands, ten thousands. That's how they organised themselves. And we really have a big emphasis on small group, and so did they. It's amazing when you see this stuff there in history and the power of it and things that we're trying to do here as a church and the power of it. But here, the second thing I want to show you is this. Get, get, you, you, some of you may know this actually, but I didn't. Guess where the so this is this is the largest empire in the world you know been undefeated for forty odd years. There's a couple of moments in history where if the Khan didn't die, they probably would have conquered the whole of the whole of Europe and then the whole of um, China much earlier than they did. But the Khan died, and then they had to come back. And it's really interesting reading. But guess where the the first major defeat? In fact, many would say the turning point of of um, of this empire that was devastating. They would just sack cities and just kill everyone. There's a devastating evil in some respects that was just out over you know just pouring out over the world and a couple of times you're reading the history and go wow that was a god moment there because everything was about to go even further pear-shaped and the Khan would die and everyone had to go home but but the first major defeat of this empire you'll never guess where it happened it's where the empire, this empire that was, that was, you know, just obliterating. In fact, they wiped out whole people groups. People groups don't exist on the planet now because the Mongols, their success. But there was a battle fought at a little, fairly unknown place in the Middle East called Nazareth. <laughs> don't know if you heard of it. Near a place, in a region called Galilee. Might have heard of a bloke who came from there. Nazareth was, was, of course, the place where Jesus was brought up and Galilee was the place where he's raised and, and started his ministry. But it's better than that. It's better than that. This battle, should throw the photo up. for the, the, There's a little picture. Um, obviously, this wasn't um, taken on an iPhone, but um, there's a little photo of, of the Battle of um, Angelat near Nazareth in Galilee. Now, this, hopefully this, this, this impacts you this morning. You'll never guess what Angel App means, that name. The spring of Goliath. The giant was slain for the first time in history, exactly where another giant was slain about a thousand years prior or 1,200 years prior. You can't tell me that's a coincidence. Imagine what we could achieve if we could grasp the concept and the power of the guy who, who came from Nazareth. And if we could understand this whole power praise, and we're going to be talking about it in a bit, in a second, but there's something in this. There's giants that can be defeated if we just grasp this stuff. I just find it amazing that the largest empire in world history suffered its first defeat at the spring of Goliath in Nazareth, Galilee. 
because it was the same guy there who conquered the biggest giant that we have, sin and death, in your life and mine. It's just amazing. Sometimes we think, oh, you know, you know, is this true? Is this? History tells us that Jesus is for us. History tells us that no matter the giant, it can be slain. Just history. This is world history. I didn't read that in any Bible jolly book or Bible college. That was just, that's what you read in the Encyclopedia Britannica, people. There's something powerful about this. And one of the enemy, the places that the enemy is trying to rob you, in, like in Jehoshaphat's life, the giants were coming. An army that he couldn't defeat was coming and they decided to put praise in front of that giant, right? What does that mean? Proverbs, I want to read you something. Proverbs 11, 24 to 25. Catch this. This is really important. There is one who scatters. We'll throw it up there in just a second. Proverbs 11. There is one who scatters, if it's going to work. Oh, yeah, okay. Which one's that? Is that the New King James? I'll, I'll read the New King James. Throw the message one up for me and we'll read that in a minute. The New King James says this, There is one who scatters, yet increases more. Inside of There's one who's giving stuff away, and yet he increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right. Think about this in the area of praise. There's someone who comes here on Sunday and just praises God extravagantly and increases more. And there's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Verse 25, the generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will also be watered himself. The generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will be watered himself. The message version says it this way, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed and those who help others are helped. The title of this morning's message is Big Generosity. Big Generosity. If Jehoshaphat had a withheld praise to God, their world was about to get smaller and smaller. If their pride had got in the way, say, oh, well, you know what? You know, it's sort of all gone a bit bad now, so we're not going to ask God for help. Smaller and smaller. And to me, this is a big thing. It's counterintuitive. And to be honest, this whole idea of scattering more but having more is counterintuitive. And the only place you're going to hear it probably is the church. The world is the world's trying to tell you to, to, to the exact opposite of this. It's trying to say, hey, hey, just withhold what's yours and withhold what's yours and withhold what's yours. We're going to see where that lands in just a second. Because you don't... It's, 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 it's much as it's counterintuitive when you, when you reflect on life, you think, oh, actually, yeah, I can see where the Bible is accurate and correct. So if we, what if we pro- applied this generosity principle to praise? What if we, what if we implied, because it's saying that, you know, if we scatter more, we'll have more. What if we praise God more? What if we just, because this is everything, you know, it's obviously our head's going to certain places. But think about this. What if we were more generous with our praise? What does it say there? If we praise generously, our world gets larger and larger. And if we're stingy with our praise, our world gets smaller and smaller. You don't want a small world. I'm here to tell you you weren't born for a small world. And generosity is what breaks small world thinking off you. Generosity breaks small world thinking off you. And we're here in church, I suppose, this morning. But what if we implied this principle 
not just to the praise of our Heavenly Father, but what if we applied this principle to each other? Let's throw that slide up for me, Aaron. When I'm generous. When I'm generous. When I'm generous with my praise towards others, my world becomes bigger. We're going to look at this in a second, but when I am generous with praise towards my Heavenly Father and surrender, He unlocks a bigger world to me. Generosity and praise. Generosity and praise. People choosing, see here's how this works and we're going to get to it. People choosing to face their giants like Jehoshaphat from a position of generous praise. Here's what happens to you. So you've got this position of generous praise. Like, oh God, you're, you're mighty. Oh God, you're awesome. Oh God, you have all these resources. Well, wait a minute. Aren't I a child of God? Didn't I just increase my resources? It's obvious really, isn't it? What about when we're generous with our praise to other people? What about when we're generous in praising other people? Well, what happens is that other people, then their resources become your resources as well. Their smile is a resource to you. Them feeling better lifts your spirit. My world's bigger. This generosity, it always comes back. It has to come back. And the more I'm talking, the truer this is getting for everybody. There's nothing better than facing a giant in your life and maybe even trembling a little bit. I love the Bible made sure they articulated that Jehoshaphat was terrified. I love that. Because, you know, a few hours later, the same terrified guy goes, we're going to win. We're going to win. And so sometimes we think, you know, that we, we shouldn't be trembling a little bit. But I like to think that, you know, if I was facing uh, like a giant, like Goliath, who's in the Bible, who David slayed with a thing, I reckon I'd still be, you know, a little bit, you know, trembling. I think that's okay. Having said that, when we, have, when we come from a generous position of praise, we know who's going to win. So it doesn't matter how much I'm trembling. There's certainly a difference when you walk up and you face the giants in your life going, you know what, that's really bad. But I know who's winning this one. Generous praise. Generous praise. Not only am I going to win, but I'm going to be bigger for it. And that's a powerful place to do life from. I want to read to you one of my favorite little passages in the Scripture. I've read it here many times. 2 Corinthians 6 um, verse 11 to 13, we're going to read it from the Message Bible because I think it, it says it the most powerfully. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you, and this is exactly what Jehoshaphat's experience, it's the, what they wrote in Proverbs, I can't, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide, open, spacious life. I've got to be honest, most people I know aren't living the wide open spaces life. If you chat to them, they'll tell you they feel fenced in. Apparently this has been going on for a couple of thousand years. I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open spacious life. And his, 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 the Apostle Paul's writing this letter to the Corinthians church and he's saying, don't pin this on us. We didn't fence you in. It wasn't us that made you world small. The smallness you feel, catch this, this probably never been truer than 2022. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but catch this, you're living them in a small way. Wow. And then he says this, and believe you, we believe you, Paul. I'm speaking as plainly as I can. Uh, he pulled no punches. And with great affection. Open up your lives 
live openly and expansively. That is a crazy verse. I love that verse because Paul, he's like, you know what? I'm sick of beating around the bush on this one. I'm only saying this because I love you. Um, you know, that's where he says, I say this with great affection. But can you please, for me, stop living small? You weren't designed for small. You weren't created for small. Don't put this on us. We keep telling you, you're a child of God. We feel small and we're focused inward, right? And that's the big voice. You know, I can't do this, I can't do that. This is the problem. And it's the inward voice, right? But here's praise. This is where this connects to praise. What happens when you start to praise? What am I focused on? See, when I, when my, in my own head, my own self-talk, I'm focused on my capabilities, you know, what I'm good at, what's actually happening in the world around me. But when I start to praise, what am I focused It's outward, isn't it? It's outward. I'm starting to focus now on something that's bigger than me and someone's better resource than me. David couldn't have slayed Goliath without God. Jehoshaphat didn't take down three different nations without God. Because if, here's the thought. Here's the thought. I think this is somewhere in my notes anyway. Here's the thought. If you want to live wide openly and expansively, you don't have the resources for that. You don't. You don't have the resources to do what Paul's talking about. God does. And how do we tap into that? I'm telling you. How did Jehoshaphat do it? It's through praise and worship. And we're going to have a look at this a little bit practically. Here we go. What does this look like practically? I'm going to throw this great scripture up. Psalms 22.3 and I'm going to unpack it. Catch this. You, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. So he's talking to God. The psalmist there, the songwriter, if you like, is talking to God. He says, God, you are holy. You are enthroned on the praises of Israel. Now that word enthroned, I'm just going to, I don't like doing this usually, but I'm just going to do this because it's going to help. The, the verb there, enthroned, is yeshab, right? That's the verb. That's the Hebrew. And it means this. It means sit, remain, dwell. Okay, so God, you sit, you remain, you dwell on the praises of Israel. And that creates a little bit of a theological dilemma because it's saying God inhabits you know, the praises and sits on and his people's songs of worship and adoration. And it's like, well, I thought you know, God was all around us. So I'm going to explain it to you. Catch this. So about, I don't know, it was 17 and a half years ago, something like that, um, on a Saturday, I was just down the road here um, at the Anglican Cathedral and I was standing at the altar and uh, it was my wedding day. So I was standing there, and I'm standing in this church, and waiting for the bride, you know, lovely bride Leah, waiting for her to come. And, but, but I want you to catch the principles here. So I'm already in the church, right? So I'm fairly committed to this process, you know. Like I'm, I'm there, I'm already standing in the church, and I knew I wanted to spend the rest of my life with this amazing woman, and I'd already spent my life savings on a, on a, on a beautiful engagement ring, so she thought that chaplains earned more than they did, and she wouldn't know that teachers get more money. And, and I was about to make a commitment to forsake all others, you know. That's what I was about to do. And I felt like in that moment, so this is before she comes in, and I felt like in that moment, I cannot be more committed to this cause. Does that make sense? I could not be more committed. I could not be more all in than I'm standing in the church. Okay, and that's sort of, sort of how it is. And if you've been there, you know what I mean. You know, I'm waiting with the boys there and we all got our, our gear on and I'm, I'm hoping Leah's going to show up. And I'm fully present, fully present. But here's the thing, I'm fully invested and just like God is with us, right? So God created humanity and He created this, this whole thing and fully invested, right? God has put all his eggs in the human basket, right? 
Correct? He has. He's fully invested in us. And then we get this verse that says he's enthroned in the praises. That's what makes him stop. And you're like, well, I thought he was already all in. But here's the thing. See, Leah walks into that church and I've got to tell you, it's like everything stopped. All right? I mean, I was, I was all in, but there's a shift. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm mesmerized. All of a sudden, nobody else is worth anything. You know, like, nobody else matters. Are you hearing me? It's all, there's a shift that happens. I'm, I'm, I, in that moment, I could not be more fully present. It's like nothing else in the world exists in that moment. Can you see how I was fully invested, but there's still a shift? And I was like, and I, like I'm trying my best to, to, to sort of articulate what it is when we praise and worship God. A guy who's fully invested, couldn't love us more. But then when we praise and worship Him, the Bible says there's a shift. And so I was like, what? Is, what? And even as I'm studying this, I'm like, what does that mean? Because God's Spirit dwells inside of us. It says, before you even um, knew me, God died for you. God's love for you, you know, before you were born and maybe some of us have been on a journey and then we didn't, like Chad was saying, didn't always understand who God was. And then, and, but God hasn't loved him more now. God's loved him exactly the same now as he loved him, you know, when he was 12, before he knew God. But when we praise and worship, there's a, tr- there's a shift. And when we truly get our praise on, um, it's, it's like God dwells in that. He sits, he's like, he can't be distracted from it. He can't be distracted. And, and, and it's like this. This is the way I've articulated this moment in heaven. It's not that we get God's attention. Please pay attention to this. It's not that we get God's attention. It's that He knows He has ours. When we praise like Jehoshaphat did, it's not like, we get God's attention. It's that He knows He has ours. And when Je- and when Jehoshaphat, this is what happened in Second Chronicles, when Jehoshaphat and his army starting to praise, God's like, ah, oh, wow, this is cool. And then th- watch this, because because remember we're talking about generosity opens doors, generosity, bigger world. Remember, we are talking about that earlier. So this is what God does. So Jehoshaphat gets his crew together and they start praising and worshipping and God's like, oh, wow, you know, I love you guys, but ah, wow, I see. And catch this, this is what God does then. He says, hey, Jehoshaphat, watch this. Are you looking for a watch this moment from God? God showing off. Because this is where generous praise always lands. It always lands there, I'm telling you. Because God knows, hey, he's watching now. Oh, I see. Oh, you were so busy and distracted over there before. That's why Sunday morning is so important. And as we know, we don't just praise and worship God on Sunday morning. But it's the moment, isn't it? There's so much going on in our lives. I'm just as busy as you are. There's so much stuff there to distract us. And then we, we, we come in here and whether it's at home in your room or whatever it is or in the car, you know, listening to it, wherever that is for you, when we begin to go beyond singing or we go beyond whatever and we begin to actually go to that place of surrender and praise, God's like, ah, ah, oh, right. I've got your attention now. Watch this. Just going to throw up one last slide and we're going to 
then we're going to pray because I think this is really important. So there's a couple of applications just from this morning's message. Surrendering to something bigger. And this is where we, we talk about this praise and, and shifting our focus makes us part of something bigger. And Jehoshaphat, when they were marching towards those armies, he knew there was something bigger happening than just the army he had assembled. Generosity unlocks a bigger life. What if we're generous to God, generous to God with our praise? What if we're generous to others with our praise? And three there, God wants us to live a bigger life. He couldn't be clearer. And four, when God knows he has our attention, he shows us a bigger life. He shows us what that looks like. Would you stand with me this morning? And thank the worship team as they come. I entitled this morning's message, Big Generosity. Because I believe this with all my heart, big generosity equals big life. Doesn't matter what the, what the area of life we're talking about. This morning we're talking into the area of praise. But generosity, big generosity, big life. And if you want to live a big life, it's probably time to get your generosity on. It's time for us to all make a decision. Are we going to, and particularly around this whole area of praise, and they're going to finish with a song, but particularly around this whole area of praise, are we going to be cautious in our praise? Or are we going to be more like Jehoshaphat's crew and go, you know what, it's too much on the line for us. Big shout. It's just too much at stake for us to have, you know, pull back praise or, you know, where, where our pride lets us get in. They, they had no pride at that point. They had no pride at that point. They're just like, God, God comes through or we're finished. And that's what, that's what it does. And that's the surrender that we've been talking about. But we, we have an amazing opportunity, I believe, right here, right in where we sit in history, where we sit geographically, to change atmospheres and to bring down giants. And, and that's something I'm committed to. And I know there's so many in this house who I was just preaching to the converted this morning. And so many in this house go, that's who we want to be, Shane. We want to be a church of generosity, generous praise, lifting up the Lord's the voices because we want to see giants come. We want to see giants fall. We want to see giants fall in this town. We want to see giants fall in our lives. We want to see giants. We prayed for healing this morning. We want to see that. We want to see big generosity around praise and see what God will do because then it's on Him. There's nothing we 